0: Uh, verses 4 to 12, and it's on page 1152, 1,152 is the page, and beginning at verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by human beings, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe... a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Great. Thank you, Ros. Thanks for reading. And uh, Cooley for those prayers. And Sean and Jamie for leading us in worship. That was wonderful. Thank you. Um, As you have that open in front of you, page 1152, a short word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as always, that you would make these Words live in us. We join with the psalmist. We say, what are we that you are mindful of us? In one sense, we're nothing but the dust of the ground. And you breathe life into Adam. You breathe life into us. We live because of you. We live for you. So feed us from your word this morning. Inspire us by your spirit. Challenge us, Lord. We want to be challenged. There's something in our hearts, Lord, that longs for more. We recognize decay and bondage around us, and we long for more. And we trust you to be the source of life and life in all its fullness. So teach us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Peter probably wrote this letter. If I was going to do justice to uh, my theological educators, there's an element of doubt as to whether he did. There's bits and pieces in these two letters that suggest that it was written after Jerusalem was sacked and the temple destroyed. Uh, And we know that Peter was killed in Nero's reign before the sacking of the temple Uh, and so some people say "Mm, it may well be written by someone else and sort of borrowed Peter's name to authenticate, to give it authority. Uh, Although the majority opinion, I think, still is, that's a sort of revisionist view, I think the traditional view is that Peter wrote this, therefore, it's written round about mid-late 60s AD, but certainly by then and certainly under the Emperor Nero, the Christians who would have gathered in Jerusalem, the early Christians in the temple courts and in the houses round about Jerusalem, were being scattered through persecution. Their homes had been confiscated and burned. And for fear of their lives, they'd scattered to to various places. You see that, just flick back a page, chapter 1, verse 1, as Peter opens this letter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, in other words, those called with a purpose, the ecclesia, the church, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and, Bithynia. and Of course, we know that through that intense persecution, that's partly how or one of the ways in which God uh, enabled the church to grow as the message was taken from place to place. But that's the context, strangers. Christian men and women who are strangers in the environment in which they live, the values, the culture, scattered, desperate, on the run, nomadic. And questioning, I guess, all the time, after centuries of temple tradition, where is God? Where is God in this landscape that I find myself now? Where is God in the context which I'm trying to live? Where are my fellow believers? How do I recognize them? Because I used to recognize them as we journeyed towards the temple. I used to recognize them as we gave our sacrifices and paid our alms and uh, uh, ALMS. Uh, And made all the sort of rituals of religion. That's how I recognized who my brothers and sisters were. How do I recognize them now? No rituals, no temple. Where is God? Who are we? Where are we? I'm bewildered. I'm disoriented. I'm, I'm lost. How are we to recognize ourselves now? these Christians are saying in the first century, maybe some of us are saying today in a, a landscape that's, you know, a cultural landscape that is shifting fast. There's that advert, for you've seen it for Virgin Airways, 25 years, and uh, the, the play of the advert is look what's changed in 25 years. You know, the music styles, the clothes as there's a businessman on a great big brick of a mobile phone. Uh, Back then, brick brick mobile phones were thought to be amazing, and now we laugh because in 25 years, you know, culture, the values, shifting. How do we sort of recognize who we are and where we are and where is God in all of this? Peter's letter to the Christians then, Peter's letter by the spirit who blows through the ages, Peter's letter is for us today. The key image is in verse 4, as you come to him, Jesus, the living stone. This image, I want to explore it in a little while, of Jesus as a living stone. Those two words, a contradictory phrase. But I want to suggest that the key phrase is this, verse 5, you also. You also. Us. Us. Also, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by human beings, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. As you come to him, rejected, but precious and chosen, you also, like living stones... Peter says to the Christians then, Peter says to us today, if we're in Christ and in relationship with God through Jesus Christ, he says, you are like him. In very essence, he is a living stone. You are living stones being uh, built together to God's praise and glory. I want to unpack a little bit this idea of the living stone that uh, Jesus is referred to, that we are referred to, I want to look, too, very briefly at uh, those qualities of being chosen and precious as we continue in our series of understanding what the New Testament Christians understood church to be, unpacking these metaphors, these pictures and images. You also like living stones. Jesus, the living stone. First of all, he's the stone. Or if you see verse 6 and verse 7, he's the cornerstone or the capstone, or the keystone. Those of you who are architects, or surveyors, or just a passing interest in buildings, you'll know that the cornerstone is the first stone that you lay down in the corner. it, It determines the shape and the projection of the building. In which direction will this building sort of lie and face? The cornerstone is the one that determines that. Or the keystone, or capstone, is at the crown of an arch. And it's that stone that holds together all the other stones in the arch and actually provide, provides the intrinsic strength of the arch. They all, all the stones lean on the capstone, and it's the capstone that, that contains, or, or rather sort of releases the strength of that arch. Take the capstone out and the whole arch collapses. And Jesus is our cornerstone as a church. He sets the direction of the church. He determines what shape the church will be. He's the keystone. He's vital to the the ongoing dynamic strength and power of the church. Just as a keystone is to an arch, to a building. We come to him. We, We must try and get ourselves out of the habit of going to church where we sort of go to a function for an hour, where I'll meet some people, drink some coffee, uh, take part in the crash, or whatever it might be. Those are all derivatives of who we actually are as church. We come to Christ. And we can do that at any time. <laughs> you can do that this afternoon, or midweek, lunchtime, little break, or in the evening, or the morning, all the time. What are we doing here? All we're doing is a, expressing a culmination of what we all do during the week as Christians. We are church, wherever we are. And we gather together on Christ. We are shaped by Christ, not by what other people may think or say, not by religious patterns or what we did last week or what might be written on newsletters and term cards and all of that stuff. That's all secondary. Relatively important in its own way. But every moment of every day, Where is the cornerstone in my life? Where is Jesus? Because Peter says we come to him. The cornerstone, the capstone. The determining factor above all other things. Jesus. But do you know just about this stone? It's living. Here's this strange (laughs) image We look. We're surrounded by bricks, and they are just dead. They're inanimate. They have not moved in a hundred and whatever it is years. You stare at them. It doesn't matter how much you will them into life. They will just stack there. And those are stones, blocks. They are inanimate, cold, lifeless. And Peter recognizes what God has done in Christ because, of course, for two or three days, Jesus himself was cold, inanimate, lifeless as he lay in the grave. But the very epicenter of this erupting faith is that Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose to new life, he lives. He is the living stone. Indicative of the fact that he once was dead, bearing the guilt for every single one of our sins. He's taken the punishment. The the covenant that we broke through sin and rebellion and our own pride. With its covenant curse of death to whoever breaks covenant, Jesus came And took the covenant curse. So that where there's a break of covenant now, there can be restoration. He takes the covenant curse of death and dies, stone cold dead. So that we, standing in him, living in him, may come to new life through the new covenant. That's why it's vital that Peter... Encourages these Christians, scattered as they are, he is the living stone. Living stone. He's vital. He's alive. He's real. He makes a difference. He impacts our minds, our hearts, our soul, our spirit. In flat contradiction to these stones, is something or someone that lives, they're sensitive and responsive. They move, they grow. And we as living stones, does that describe your life in Christ? Is it responsive and sensitive to him? The cornerstone, the living stone. As he lives, do you live? As he breathes, do you breathe? As he longs, as he aches, as he rejoices, do you do the same? Are you conscious of that? The living stone. From time to time I'm asked, people who are exploring the faith, tiptoeing into the Christian faith. I'm sometimes I ask you, but how how do you kind of know? Yeah, how how do I know if I'm a Christian? How do I know if I'm alive? How do I how would I know to, to borrow this metaphor that I'm a living stone? And Peter alludes to an answer, I think, in verses, the end of verse nine and verse ten. Look at the bottom of the page there, he says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who, here's the phrase, called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He goes on, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. To pick up Peter's language, how how do you know you're living in light? Well, you know that once you were living in darkness. And by comparison, you recognize the light. How do you know if you're alive in Christ? Well, you know because the Spirit of Christ reveals this to you. You can't work this out. It comes through revelation. But the Spirit of Christ reveals to you that you once were dead. How do you know you're alive in Christ? You know that once you were dead. Paul talks about this in Ephesians 2, chapter 2. Once you were dead in your sins and transgressions, but Christ made you alive, or rather, but God made you alive in Christ. And that life in Christ... You recognize because you recognize that once you were dead. The corollary of this is actually, uh, if you are dead, you won't know it. Because dead people don't know that they're dead. They're not conscious of that. It's very interesting. Just flick back again. Note the order of salvation, if you like, in verse 2 of chapter 1 talks of God's elect, Peter, he says, who've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to, or that could be translated for, obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling with his blood. We'd often say, wouldn't we, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and, and kind of maybe just receive some kind of order in the, the, the Trinitarian makeup. But here Peter talks about God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. That's what the Spirit does. He just, he just slowly draws and invites and calls and woos us out of darkness into light. He, he calls us, speaks us out of death into life. And if you're in that process, and a number of us are, I, I venture to suggest, in that process, actually in one sense all of us are, <laughs> particularly conscious that we're in that process of discovery, of, of eyes opening, of ears unstopping, of a dawning realization, the Spirit is at work. And bit by bit, step by step, He's slowly convincing you of the fact that you were once in darkness, and now you're in this marvelous light. You once were dead, but now you're coming to life living stones. That's what Peter describes these Christians as. That's what Peter is saying to us if we are in Christ. And you'll know if you are. And frankly, you probably won't know if you're not. It, 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 this will just be sailing over your head. You'll bump into people who are alive and they'll seem very strange to you, incomprehensible, I don't want, odd. You, you'll You'll seek to justify their actions or words in some way in order to allow yourself to sort of calibrate who they are. It doesn't make any sense. That's because there's a death there. There's not vitality, spiritual life, that immediately recognizes the life of God in others. It's fascinating for me the other day, I may, this may be, um, you, you may not like what I'm going to say, but there we are. Uh, Bex, uh, our, our eldest daughter, came and gave testimony to something that I can only describe as just a moment of God, of, of heaven breaking down on earth and uh, a gathering of, of young people back of church midweek. And um, it was extraordinary. This man came in and just encountered God uh, as some of the young people prayed for him. And she testified that she shared it. She just, just shared the good news. And I, um, For the congregation that were there that day, it was just before Christmas, as Bex was standing here sharing that, I just looked out. I wasn't looking at Bex, so I was just looking out at the congregation, and it was absolutely fascinating to me. Because as story was told of the Spirit of God, of stones coming to life, if you like, as that was being rehearsed here, it was fascinating to see how that was being engaged with in the congregation that were present that day. And I would say it was about half and half in my my judgment. And I I may have got this completely wrong. But I could see half the people came alive. You could just see it. You could see the Spirit of God in them responding to the Spirit of God as rehearsed in this story. And it was fascinating to me that about half the people there, there was no response. Either, I suspect, because they were dead or, or alive but asleep. You don't tend to hear things in your sleep. Not so easily as if you're awake. And I, I, I looked out and I thought, that is fascinating. It was the same impact as, as uh, uh, it, uh, when I watched uh, Fulham try and play football. I was watching them yesterday. They didn't score any goals. The opposition scored two. And we faced the opposing stand or the stand where the um, opposing fans are arrayed. And not the whole stand uh, is full, but only half the stand have the away fans. It's not always easy to tell where the away fans are until the away teams score a goal. When the away teams score a goal, half the stand erupts and half the stand are passive and still. And that immediately, there are the away fans and there are the neutrals or the Fulham fans. You can tell immediately as the goal is scored, there's a gospel announcement and and the spirit of those who receive that gospel awake and it was a, if i'm honest it was the same impact here with this story i me, i could see who is alive and awake and who isn't very revealing now listen i'm a human being so i get these things wrong but it's very revealing on that congregation at that day i don't say i'm not make no judgment on this morning but that congregation that day, it was very revealing. In fact, well, it, it, one someone was so awake, shouted "Hallelujah!" I was heartened to see that they remembered the PCC. So I thought we were, in, you know, in the right direction here. <laughs> that wasn't everyone's reaction, but that's the bold and confident expectation in the New Testament. S- something as extraordinary as a dead, inanimate, cold object like a stone lives not through anything that the stone does. It's it's the life in the stone. It's God's Spirit that raised Jesus. And if God's Spirit can raise Jesus, God's Spirit can make us alive and awake to respond to what the Spirit of God is doing. So that we recognize ourselves as being built into a spiritual house, to offer spiritual sacrifices of worship and praise and acts of service. Things that we speak out and things that we do in the name of Jesus that make a difference. That speak to a dying and a needy world of someone powerful at work. So powerful that even stones can live. We come to him, the living stone. Briefly, who is he, this living stone? Verse 3, he's chosen by God, and so we are chosen by God. If we also, you also are living stones, and if he's chosen, we are chosen. You know how beautiful it is to be chosen. I believe that if you are alive in Christ and you are here as elect, as called by God, you're not here by accident. You could be in any number of places. There's All Saints um, Fulham. I don't know where I'm pointing, but, you know, roughly. And Christ Church... And uh, Saint Matthew's and Saint John's. There's a whole load of Anglican churches. There's a whole load of uh, non-denominational churches. Other denominations. You could go to a whole load of places to worship. You're here, and I'm going to charitably assume you're here because God wants you here, at this time, in this place, for His purposes. You're chosen. It was about four and a half years ago. Coming out five years ago, actually, that uh, I went for interview for this post I wasn't sure Lord I I was excited about this place but I wasn't sure whether I I couldn't honestly tell whether the Lord wanted me to be his man in this place at this time and I went through the interview and all the process and so on and the bishop rang me up and was kind enough to tell me that it was a unanimous decision (laughs) I subsequently heard who else was on the interview I thought my goodness they didn't want them (laughs) they didn't want them sort of you know these awesome people that I knew about they the unanimous decision was me do you know I can't tell you how encouraging it was to know that you're chosen yes you Tim you are the man and I felt a real sense of affirmation from God that uh, notwithstanding all the challenges and all the change and all the stuff that I might take the Lord chosen me for this this place this time to minister And it's true of you. He's chosen you to be a living stone in his his building, spiritual building, i.e. wherever he calls you to be, whatever he's gifted you to do. He's chosen you to do it. He wants you to do it. He's picked you out. Chosen and precious. We thought a bit about this as the bride of Christ. All women are beautiful Never more so than on their wedding day. Precious as they stand waiting for their groom. And we as living stones, we're precious, we're valuable, we're of worth. You think about how unique you are in the way in which you've been made and put together the the, the gifts and abilities that you have, the experiences that you have that The Lord can take by his spirit and shape and perfect so that you can pass on help, advice, comfort to others. You can take your place in God's building. Think how much more valuable you are than one of those bricks in the wall. I mean, of infinite worth compared to a red brick. And yet, supposing I knocked out one of those bricks Yeah, the the structure would still stand, but you'd be even colder than you are now. Just think what we'd do to our heating bill. Just think what it would do to all the money that goes into pouring heat into this building. It would would increase because cold air loves to fight. It will just draw and suck in through a tiny little hole. Every one of those bricks is vital. Just round about where David and Sean are sitting now, there used to be a bucket three weeks ago. And the reason is because there was a leak coming down from that bit of the roof. And the reason why there was a leak was because one slate had come out of place. And the water had come in, all the snow and the water, and it was leaking through there. That one slate, I don't know how many thousands of slates are on the roof, that one slate was vital. It was valuable. It was doing its task. When we took it out, well, we, did, we didn't take it out, when it was taken out, there's a consequence. Chosen? Do you know yourself to be chosen by the Lord? Do you know yourself to be valuable and intrinsic? What difference would there be to the church if you did not exist? Now, if the answer is no difference, it probably means you're dead. Because if you're a living stone... You're vital to the building. You don't think well, I'm only in it, but you just take only one of those bricks; it makes a big difference. Take only one slate; it makes a big difference. You're not an only, only. You're a child of the living God. You're a living stone. You're vital. Do you know that? Do you know that? He knows that. So he's calling you. That's what he's describing you as. Jesus was chosen and precious and you also like that living stone. This isn't just sort of, you know, the kind of current as that for, for positive thinking. It's nothing to do with us. Take Christ out of the equation. This is awful. <laughs> We're just stones. It's only because of him and his life in us that we live. But it's because of that that we're vital, we're precious, we're chosen. Yes, rejected by men and women, but belonging to God, Jesus says. Belonging to God. I'd love us to reflect on that in our house groups. By the way, why did the slate slide off? Because... And here we break with the analogy, see, it doesn't live, it's inanimate. When it broke off, none of the other slates could go, oh, look, quick, Bob's slipping, pull him back up, fill the gap. Slates don't live, so when a slate slides off, a slate slides off. That's why house groups, midweek groups are vital. Because we go through tough times, down. we slip sometimes, I'm slipping, I'm slipping, don't worry, we've got you, we'll pull you up, put an arm around you, feed you, pray for you laugh with you, cry with you, whatever it is. That's why house groups are vital. So I know those people who are in house groups live, even though the life sometimes feels tough. I, I fear for those of you living stones who are not in any kind of living fellowship. What happens when you slip? Who's there to pick you up? I know ultimately the Lord. But my goodness, you've got a robust faith if you can do that on your own. I can't. So food for thought, living stones, this uh, holy temple, just as a tiny postscript as I finish. Uh, You'll see from the newsletter we're going to have two working parties on uh, Saturday, one in February, I can't quite remember the day, 20th of March, is it the 27th of February? I think it's on the inside on the right-hand cover. We're going to get out in that garden. There's a few of us, just to sort of make the analogy turn around really, um, because although church is not the building, it's the people. Nevertheless, everyone out there makes association with the building. That's they right, they, they, they kind of perceive us through the building. And as you look at the building from the green, you look at the garden and the wall and everything, it looks, as someone remarked, derelict, uncared for. It, it looks dead, frankly. We know we live. We know there are rags going on and house groups going on. There are six or seven guests on Alpha right now. Uh, there's a new house group. We're going to pray for the leaders at the end of this service, commission them. There's life and vitality. We know that, but they don't because they look at the building. And they, mm, 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 mm. But frankly, I'm going to be honest. It looks awful. And there's a few of us, praise God, who said enough is enough. And so we're going to uh, have a little fundraise in due course, more anon. Uh, that'll go towards the notice boards that we've got permission for, brand new notice boards. We take down those tired, derelict ones. We've got a brand new notice board. We're going to spruce up the garden. We're going to clear up the flower beds. We're going to make the building live so that by association, people see a building with a smile on its face and think I wonder who's inside. I, I want to argue, actually, to our community, it may well be one of our most effective missional acts. I don't know how many people walk past, uh, dozens and dozens and hundreds every day to the tube and shops and so on. And we'll make the building smile. And I hope and pray as they see stones that look like they're living, they'll see uh, and get to know the real living stones, you and me, chosen by God, precious. Building something that's of worth, a kingdom where people can have life, and life in all its fullness. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Let's stand together. I'm going to invite uh, Jamie and Sean to come and lead us as we sing a song of worship.